Today on the Shadow Board podcast, we've got um, Emma Jane here from Sellafield, your Head of Supply Chain Development and Innovation. Um, we're just hoping to have a bit of a, a chat today about your background, your experiences, maybe a little bit about your work as well, but sort of get to know you and put a bit of a character behind a face that I think a lot of people here at the cluster recognise and have known for a number of years. Welcome, Emma Jane. So, first of all, then, um, I think starting with a bit of your history is quite good. People know you from being at, you know, at the cluster, working with Sellafield, being in the supply chain, but obviously you've, you've had a background which wasn't in, in, in Cumbria necessarily, it wasn't in nuclear. Sort of where did it all start for you? Um, and maybe a bit about education and that sort of things as well. Okay, so I um, grew up in, um, in Suffolk, started from quite humble beginnings. Um, my, uh, my mum was pregnant at 16, um, and so we were brought up in uh, a council house. And we got moved to a council house in a village. And it was uh, really important to my mum that people didn't judge us and, and be unkind to us because we were classed as the council house kids. So she made sure that we always spoke properly. And it's really interesting because since I've come here, because of the way I speak, I've been judged. And oh, you must be really posh and you must come from a, a privileged background. And I find it really, really interesting how we make those judgments on people because my um, upbringing was anything but privileged. Um, but you know, it gives you a really good grounding. So with regards to aspirations and inspiration when I was young, um, I come from a, a working class family. Um, one of my big inspirations was my nan. My nan spent her career um, cleaning the toilets for the council at the Abbey Gardens, which is a beautiful um, tourist attraction in Beres And I used to go and see her and she used to say to me, if it wasn't for people like me, people like them would have nowhere to pee. So no one is better than anybody else. And that kind of taught me a really, really, really strong lesson. So from a young girl, I always wanted to be a drama teacher. It was just something I was really passionate about, um, really wanted to help people, mentor people, bring out their confidence, and it was something I really enjoyed. So I went all through school with Aspiration, um, went on to do uh, performing arts at college, um, did a work placement with a school who said, you know, they've never had anyone so suited to the work. Um, so it was definitely what I was going to do. I decided to defer my university for a year and go and work on the holiday parks. Um, thought it'd be good to get a bit of work experience um, and a little bit of money before going to university. So I, I went there as an entertainer, absolutely loved it. And then when my university place came through, I decided not to take it. So I didn't go to university. Um, carried on working at the holiday parks, then ended up working for Green King Brewery, um, and then fell into recruitment. So um, worked in recruitment, got married as you do, that was my aspiration, get married, have children, perfect family, get a dog, you know, everything was sorted. Mm -hmm. um, my husband got a, a job which meant we moved away, so we moved to Wiltshire. So we moved to Wiltshire, by now I had two children. Um, one was uh, 22 months, uh, one was nearly four. Um, and unfortunately, my husband had an affair. So it meant that I was in a place that I didn't know. I had two young children, and it felt like my whole world had fallen apart. Um, I worked in recruitment, I was working part-time. Something that was really important to me was, I didn't want my children to be brought up by somebody else. So it was always the case that if I have children, I will work school hours and I will be there for the children. I'll be the perfect mother, I'll cook their dinners, they'll have friends around to play. I had it all mapped out. And suddenly my world fell apart. And I just didn't know what to do. Now, my parents had moved to Cumbria just two months prior. My uncle had been up here since I was six and would always come here for holidays. 
So when my dad's health um, took a turn, they decided to move to Cumbria because um, it's cheaper to live up here so they could live off just mum's salary and they obviously had my uncle here and I'd moved away so there was no real need for them to stay in Suffolk. Um, so I packed my kids into a car with everything that I could fit and I arrived in, in Cumbria. Now, because of the way in which we lived and we'd moved and so things like that, I actually had nothing. So I had no money, I had nothing. So I arrived in Cumbria with no money, nowhere to live, two children, no job, and just didn't really know what to do. Wow. Now, my mum and dad were living in a really small bungalow, and there wasn't room for us three to, to be there. So they said to me, look, we'll give you two weeks, but after those two weeks, you'll have to go and declare yourself homeless. So it was like, oh my gosh, what, what do I do? And you can imagine the, the heartbreak I was going through anyway with what had happened, to suddenly find myself in a situation in a new area, didn't know anybody and had to, had to do something. So with, them, with the help of my nan, who unfortunately has passed away, but she lent me a thousand pounds and she said, get yourself a deposit on the house. She said, so you can rent somewhere. She said, you'll be absolutely fine. So my old employers, they said that they wrote a reference to say that I was still employed with them working remotely, even though I wasn't, but just so that I could get somewhere to live. Um, and I wrote to all the recruitment agencies because that was my background recruitment and said, look, I, I, in fact, I didn't just write to recruitment agencies. I applied for cleaning jobs, supermarkets. You know, it didn't matter what I did. I just knew I had to provide for the children. And then I had a bit of a quandary and I was like, OK, do I go out to work? Because if I'm going to be able to afford to run a house, I'll have to work full time, which means my children go into nursery. Or do I claim benefits and stay at home with the children? Either is viable. Either is not better nor worse than the other. But I had to really take a look at myself and I decided that I, I wanted to be a role model for the children. I wanted to show them that you could actually do anything if you put your mind to it, you work hard and you really believe in yourself and other people believe in you. So I, I got a job with a recruitment business. The children went into nursery and um, that first job was with Rulion and uh, I set them up a permanent recruitment division. So that was kind of like my first insight into the nuclear industry. And whilst I was at Rulion, I came across the cluster. So I, I went along to my first um, Britain Central Coast business cluster meeting and there was literally probably about 25 people there. It was We're talking, uh, what, 11 years ago now? Okay. Oh, yeah. So I was there and I remember walking in and I was so nervous and Hazel had said to me, oh, as it's your first time, you'll have to stand up and, and do a... <laughs> they used to do this thing where you stood up and talked about yourself for two minutes. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, what, how, how am I going to do this? So I had all my notes about Rulion and I, you know, it was really... They sat on like round tables and it was just like, it was completely different it was a very different experience so I, I went and I did that and it was fine I lived and I was like okay I did that that's fine we're, we're there um, and then um, I was approached by a company called Mackenzie Douglas they were a legal recruitment business based in Windermere but wanted to set up a nuclear division um, so I set them up a nuclear division at Workington and obviously part of that was that I would continue to come along to the cluster because I was starting to make some really good networks and then in one of the meetings, which by then were here um, at Energis, I was, um, they, they said, oh, we're looking for people to go on to the management team and the board. And I was like, oh, I'd love to be on the management team, but, you know, I'm just a girl from Suffolk, you know, I haven't got a degree and, you know, I'm just kind of winging it here. I thought there's no way that I'd get on. So I kind of was talking myself in and out of it. And I thought, well, do you know what? I have got something to offer. 
you know, I, I could help and, I, you know, I, I could do things. So I decided to put my name forward onto this management, uh, the management team, and I got on. And I was a bit like, oh my gosh. And I remember the first board meeting, and I'll never ever forget it. Now at the time, now you guys are too young to remember these people, um, but Dick Raz, he was the managing director of LLWR, such a character. Anyone that's been in the industry for a while will know him. Um, Choose a cigar. In fact, he's um, I'm still friends with him now. I speak to him quite regularly. Um, he was just such a character, and everyone held him in this high regard. There was Neil McNicholas, who managing director of Direct Rail Services, was on the board. Um, there was Steve McClure from Barden Aggregates. There was all these people. And I remember walking into my first meeting and I actually genuinely felt like I was walking into the staff room at school. You know, I still considered that I was this, I still was this little girl who was like going and sitting with all these grown-ups. So I, I was just like, oh my gosh, and the, the, I felt so nervous and I was just like starstruck. So I remember the first kind of meeting I just sat and listened and then slowly that I got over that <laughs> and I became quite vocal and really managed to bring something different into the dynamics of, of the management team and then latterly the board. Um, and for me it was about always being the champion for the small businesses. So whatever it was that we were talking about, I would always bring the board back to, yeah, but what about the small businesses. Mm -hmm. What about the businesses that aren't design and engineering? Because in this industry, and it's been something that I've been fighting for for a while, in this industry, we class um, SMEs or ha historically class SMEs as the ones that offer design and engineering services. Mm -hmm. You know, they're the ones that actually do something tangible or products. Yeah. But the ones that offer services, the ones that do things that aren't tangible, well, they're not really important, are they? They're not real <laughs> businesses. Well, actually, yes, we are. <laughs> but that's kind of like the 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 perception that was there. I remember we're talking a lot of years ago, yeah, yeah, and, and even still now, there's been a lot of education in, in my new role, there's been a lot of education to what an SME actually, what a business actually is. Um, so from, from being a part of that board, it enabled me to meet some really key people, as I said, um, and they took me under their wing, Dick Grass especially, he took me under his wing, he, he built up my confidence, he um, took me on a fantastic tour of LRWR, he um, told me all about what was important, he introduced me to people, he took me out for coffee. And the strange thing is, by association, people suddenly thought that I was worth talking to. Mm. So because I had been seen with, suddenly people gave me time when perhaps previously they wouldn't have done. So it enabled me to start building this really strong network. And I was wanting to start my own business. Um, I'd been wanting to do it for a while, um, and I needed, to, I needed to be brave. And it was the, I would never ever have been able to start um, New Exec had it not been from the people that I met at the cluster. Um, Alison um, from Dodds, she was absolutely instrumental in me having the confidence to set up the business. Hazel, Hazel has been uh, an absolute star to me and support to me all the way through. You know, the likes of uh, Neil McNicholas at Direct Rail, he gave me my first vacancy when I started up the business. And um, so all these people all played such a huge, huge part in me having the confidence. And without the cluster, there is absolutely no way that number one, I would ever have been brave enough to set up a business. I would never have had the network. And that's why I served for so long. You know, seven years I was part of the management committee and board because they gave me something and I wanted to give that back. So, you know, through New Exec Consulting, 
I um, which was a, a recruitment business, a senior recruitment business, I actually ended up winning um, a contract with LLWR for all their permanent recruitment. And this was way after Dick had gone, so it was nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. But I always felt so connected to LLWR, and so I was absolutely delighted to have that contract. And they do, it feels like a, a family. I'm very much a person that connects. I need to connect with people. And if I have that connection, it just allows me to to really do great stuff. Um, so that's that's what it's all about to me. It's about having those connections with people. So whilst I was at um, New Exec and obviously at the cluster, I started speaking to people and hearing about the frustrations they had working with Sellafield. You know, it would be, oh, they've let that contract and this has had this effect or that contract hasn't been, been um, let when it was meant to have been and now we're two months on and I'm going to have to make people redundant and my business is going to go out. And I started to hear all this stuff and I was thinking, wow, well, what have you done about that? Well, we haven't done anything. Well, why not? Well, because if we voice it, we won't get any future work or we'll lose our jobs or... And I was just like, no, that can't be real. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, and genuinely, people feared speaking up um, about Sellafield. And when I say about Sellafield, it's not an attack on Sellafield. It was never... A, but if Positive people challenge. don't know what the issues are and the consequences of their actions, how can they take learning and be different in the future? Mm. So I decided to start a blog. Now, people were like, well, why are you starting a blog that's not about recruitment? And for me, it was quite simple. I was writing a blog for two reasons. One, because I wanted people to know that I knew my shit. I knew about the industry. I knew that was what was going on because if people trust and know that you've got good knowledge, they're gonna come and do business with you. And number two, I wanted people to know the challenges that people were going through. I wanted to help businesses to get over those challenges. I wanted to help businesses know what was going on. I wanted to tell them what was going on in the industry. I wanted to share that knowledge. I wanted to save people time having to do all that research that I was going to do anyway. Um, and I also wanted to give a little bit of myself. Hence the, uh, I don't know if you ever read any of my blogs, but um, it always had like the business part at the beginning. And at the end, I would always do and it could only happen to me. And to be fair, everything happens to me. <laughs> so if something bad's going to happen or something funny's going to happen, you can bet your bottom dollar it's going to be to me. Um, so it was a really nice way of kind of probably oversharing a little bit, but connecting with people. And again, it's about those connections. And it was so lovely because I would be somewhere and someone would come up to me and say, oh, how are you? How are the girls? How's... I'm just like, who on earth is that? And because they'd read my blog, they felt they knew me. And that was lovely. Yeah. Um, so the blog actually grew to have 6,000 readers, which I was really, really proud of. But more than that, what what really made me proud is that it made Sellafield take notice, um, and not in a negative way, but they toward the end of writing the blog, they started to work with me. So I would say to them, look, this has happened, this has happened, and, and they would almost kind of go, ah, okay, well, we hadn't realised this, or actually, the real story is this. Mm-hmm. You know, because sometimes you hear things and you write about them, and, and I always made it clear it was hearsay, and actually, it was completely factually incorrect. So someone would call me and say, well, that's not right. And I'd be like, all right, no worries. Well, next week, what I'll do is I'll kind of Adapt it. put out what it actually was the, the fact to that. Okay, so Jane, so going from New Exec then to Sellafield, how did that change happen? And um, how's it been going since then? It's been about two years now, hasn't it? So um, I never saw going to Sellafield as, as something that would happen. It was it just wasn't even really on my radar. Although interestingly, I remember really, really early on when I moved to Cumbria, I remember, and I think at the time, it was um, Dave Henderson, who was the ombudsman from Sellafield. And I remember seeing his role and thinking, oh, I'd love to do that job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's really weird, because now I guess I kind of do that role, but 
quite a bit more as well. Mm -hmm. But I just remember that, and it's just something that reminds me. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, I am. Um, <clears throat> so I was writing the blog, running new exec. I was getting a bit tired of recruitment because it didn't excite me. What excited me was the writing the blog, the supply chain stuff, the introductions, and all that kind of soft stuff that I was doing that I wasn't getting paid for. You know, companies would call me and say, oh, you know, I want to work with Sellerfield. What would you suggest? How do I do that? Where should I buy offices? Where should I move to? And all this stuff I was doing, but I wasn't, it wasn't making money. So I was kind of having a rethink anyway. Um, but I came to the cluster meeting. Again, this is another thing about how Britain's Educo's business cluster has actually shaped and facilitated things for me. And uh, Martin Chan was speaking. So he'd just joined the business and he was speaking about his um, vision. And I didn't hold up much hope and I was just like, oh, this is going to be someone else, you know, saying lots of words. Mm -hmm. So I sat and listened and uh, I actually felt inspired by what he was saying. And I actually thought, and, and one thing that he said that I was just like, oh my God, that is bang on the money. He said that no longer was he going to have the supply chain pay to meet Sellafield. And that has been, had been something that I was saying because I felt and still feel and still um, live by it. Supply chain companies should not have to pay mm. to speak to their client, to speak to Sellafield. They shouldn't have to pay to hear us speak. It's just wrong. <laughs> it's unethical, categorically wrong. So I was like, oh, hang on a minute. This, this guy's really got something. And I, and I thought, if he can actually achieve all these things that he's saying, then we're going to have a step change in our industry and we're going to have a step change in our supply chain. Now, I was really fortunate that um, because um, the comms team, um, Darren Ennis at the time, knew that I would be blogging, he was very keen for me to meet Martin after he'd spoken so that I wouldn't say anything negative. They, they like to manage me, you see, or yes. try to. <laughs> so um, I met with Martin afterwards. Darren went to, to get coffees and we just connected. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. when you meet someone, you start talking and you're just like... Spark. There was a spark, absolutely. There was this spark there that I've got what he was talking about. He got what I was talking about. And we talked about, at the time we were talking about, um, we, we spoke a little bit about ourselves, kids, that type of stuff. But then I was talking about Coldwood House because at the time I was board on the board of Coldwood House and we were wanting, we were writing a business plan for the coffee van. Mm -hmm. um, and I was started talking to Martin about it and I said, you know, what we want is we don't we don't want your money, but we want the ability to take that van to Yacht and Q's car park. Can you facilitate that? And he was like, yeah. And it was just like, fab. Things are happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the meeting passed, I didn't really think anything of it, carried on doing what I was doing. And Martin and I would like bump into each other at different kind of events and stuff and we'd start talking. Then we kind of ended up having more kind of like structured Meet, well, structured meetings, a cup of coffee at Costa, if you can call that structured. But he would say to me, right, so what's going on? And I'd say, oh, well, this has happened and that's happened. And then he would say, oh, so what do you think we should do about that? And I'd, I'd kind of like give my advice. And then he'd tell me some of his challenges and I'd give him advice. I'd tell him my challenges, he'd give me advice. And this kind of went on for a, a little while. And then one, one February, and I remember it because it was the day after my birthday, um, we were sat in Costa and we'd seen each other at the NI dinner in in Cumbria and we said oh let's meet for a coffee and we were talking through some stuff and I just said you know what you really need is me to come and sort this out for you like and he was like well why don't you come yeah. and I was like holy shit I didn't see that coming and uh, I was just like yeah really I said I, I think I might so 
he arranged for me to meet with um, Jamie Reed while I kind of thought everything through and stuff. And um, it just, for me, it was like, I could go in and influence mm -hmm. what I'd been talking about. I could go in and make a difference to the supply chain, to make doing business easier, to make sure that there's not a mystery in a wall for people trying to do business. And that is where my heart is. My heart is about change. It's about making a difference. It's about inspiring people, leading people, bringing people with me. And this is what it could do. So um, I joined. Uh, and now two years on, people said to me, they did say to me, oh, it's such a shame you're going in. I mean, some were like, woohoo, this is fabulous. But some were like, it's such a shame you're going in because within six months, you're going to completely be a different person. You're going to just you're going to mold into that culture. You're going to lose your energy. You're going to lose your enthusiasm. Um, and two years on, I haven't. Although sometimes I have days where I think, this is exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. Trying to be positive and drive forward in an organisation that's once it's but not, not quite there is hard work. Mm -hmm. It really, yeah. really is hard work. We have so many stakeholders that we have to satisfy that it, it is a very difficult job to do. Yeah. And it's really interesting as well because, you know, there's lots of work that goes on that the supply chain don't see. So, and there's, and it was quite evident actually. We had a meeting quite um, just earlier this week with um, some SME businesses and tier twos, and the SMEs were saying, "Do you know what would be really good? It would be really good." Um, one of them said, "What would be really good is if at the start of the meetings you had SME shares instead of safety shares." And I just turned to one of our tier twos and said, "At our tier two working group that we have on a quarterly basis." How do we start the meeting? He said, well, with an SME share. And so stuff is going on that people don't know about. So there's so much work that goes on behind the scenes. Our tier twos are fantastic. Honestly, the commitment they've given to this SME agenda has been fantastic. It's unfolding. You know, they work hard. They're involved in initiatives. Um, so all that work's going on with them. There's lots of work going on in the business to change how people do business, how we can make opportunities for SMEs, and lots of other stuff that we have to do um, with the work on the DPS, Link, and everything else. Um, but that's not always seen. So it's really, really difficult to do all that hard work and then try and convey it, but without kind of saying, oh, we've done all this. Yeah. So it's, it's quite a difficult situation to be in. But um, we're absolutely delighted with our SME spend. Um, so we will, I will be talking about it at today's cluster meeting. But um, when I took it on, it was just over 26%. This was last year. And government had put the percentage up to 29 to 31%. And uh, I was kind of giving it with the undertone of, but we know it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. um, I don't do failure. <laughs> um, so I knew it had to happen and the team, as I said, the team, my team are fantastic with the work, with the tier twos internal seller field um, we've managed to hit 30.9%. Wow. So wow. it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. I'm glad we didn't get to 31 because I jokingly said if we did I would run naked round West Lakes which would not have been good. <laughs> so it was a little bit of a, yes, phew. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, a really interesting story of, of how you've come from an individual to running your own business, being involved with the cluster and now working for Sellerfield. So um, a bit about you sort of personally now, today. Um, what do you enjoy doing in your free time? You know, what motivates you to get up in the morning and go to work? Um, what keeps you ticking? I have two girls, age 14 and 12 now, <laughs> so they've grown up. Um, and 
above all, they're my motivation. They're what gets you out of bed in the morning. Um, although I wouldn't tell them that, or they'd get big heads. Um, I am. Um, I I I count myself as really really blessed because I have um, a circle around me that are amazing. So I obviously have my my mom and dad around who are brilliant. My dad is my favourite person in the in the whole world. I love him to bits. Um, and then I've got a group of girlfriends who are the most inspirational women you will ever know. Um, one, Rachel Holiday, who set up Coldwood House and has now set out uh, set up Women Out West, which is a women's centre, which I'll also be talking about later at today's cluster meeting. The the trials and tribulations uh, that are going on for women in Copeland is mind-blowing. You would not believe the problem that we have that we're all blind to. Um, so I have Rachel. Um, I have a lady called uh, Jane, who um, is fantastic. She is um, an absolute inspiration she's got two children same age as my two so not only can we do things like go out and drink wine together but we can also do stuff as a family as well so that is brilliant and um, she's a fantastic lady she's my absolute go-to I have my friend Claire and um, she again she's got a great job and um, she's a lovely lady she's always there for counsel and support um, and then I have a lady called Karen um, Karen, it's really funny actually because Karen's part of this group because we're all a group. I brought the group together for my 40th birthday, ironically, when we went away. Um, and Karen, um, she works at M Sport and she does cleaning at M Sport. And before that, she worked at the nursery where my children went to, which is how I met her. And she always says, Why am I in this group? Because you like have all got high powered jobs. And, and I say, Karen, it's not about the jobs that we do. Karen actually saved my life. If it was not for Karen, when I moved to Cumbria, she was the only person that was there for me. She helped me with my children when I was at my lowest. And I wouldn't have got through without her. So it doesn't matter what your job is. Yeah. It's about what your heart's like. It's about what you give, how kind you are. So these women are fantastic. They are my inspiration and they keep me busy. So I'm always out doing things with them. Uh, Rachel is awful because she asked me to do things knowing that I won't say no. So she has asked me to do the Great North Run. I absolutely hate running with a passion. It's like the worst thing in the world ever. Um, so I started my training in January. So I, I've kind of been blogging a little bit about it. I need to do another blog, but life's just very busy at the moment. So I've been uh, doing lots of running training from that. Um, I used to go to the gym a lot, but changing personal circumstance, uh, split up with my second husband. So um, I just kind of fell out of love with the gym a little bit. So running's kind of taken that place. So I've been doing running. I also love Pilates and yoga when I get the time. In fact, uh, my girls, me, Jane and her daughter Elizabeth, we are off to the Feel Good Festival in, not this weekend, next. Okay. Um, we can't wait, we're so excited. So that's a whole weekend of Pilates, Brilliant, yoga, yes, yes. meditation, wine. Uh, <laughs> so that's a really good thing. So what I love doing outside of work is just being with people that I love. I absolutely, there's nothing, I love being out in the fresh air. I love being people that I love. I love going shopping, doing fun things and just enjoying life. It's right. too short. So I suppose final question then, Emma Jane, is um, what advice would you give to someone starting out their career today? Or perhaps if you were 18 again, what would you say to your, your younger self? I think there's a couple of pieces of advice that are really, really important. First of all, and I say this to, to my children, is, well, actually, I'm going to quote Ashley Banjo from Diversity. I love Ashley Banjo and Diversity. <laughs> dream, believe, achieve. And it really, really is that. If you can dream it, you can achieve it. You've just got to believe in yourself. And that's really, really important. And I think another thing that's really important to tell yourself is respect is really important and you should always be respectful of people, but no one is better than you. And I used to have this real fear of talking to people who were more senior than me. And it doesn't matter 
It doesn't matter whether you're a managing director of a company or you're a cleaner of the company. You are still people with the same feelings, same beliefs, ethics, morals, all those types of things. So never feel that you're not good enough to speak to someone or have that conversation or, you know, to relate to someone because in this world we're all equal. We come in the same way, we go out the same way. So, you know, believe in yourself and just put yourself out there. You can achieve anything that you want to. I genuinely believe that. If you work hard, if you believe in yourself, if you surround yourself with people that love you and believe in you, you can smash it. That's fantastic advice. Yeah, thank you. Thanks very much for your time. Yeah, thanks, MJ. That's really useful, actually. Uh, heard a lot about that, so really fascinating, and we'll be pleased to share that shortly. Thank nice. you.